Hello everyone and welcome to Crow Key from Home, Life Drawing from Home. I'm your host, Brandon Shell. You're listening to Epsilon Radio, as always, here with some exciting news, some new news, something I've been teasing for some weeks. Judith Yaws, a very uh, talented individual, artist, who lives in America by way of Berlin and South America is the guest uh, today. And the way that will work is Judith will take the last 20 minute pose and she will coach you guys up. Um, she's going to tell a little bit about her practice and then she's going to give you some tips um, and references for how to draw better, how to illustrate better and things you should look out for. So I'm very excited about it. It's something that's been in the works for a while. Uh, Youth is extremely talented. Um, she draws every single day, um, realistic drawing, very um, aware of the human form, very aware how it looks, how it moves, uh, and how to translate that to paper. So very good at seeing, as we've discussed here before. Um, so for those of you who are returning, the first 10 minutes of this class, if you don't already know, is your time to set up your model and time to set up your room in order to draw. Um, so keep in mind for the model, as always, keep them warm, uh, make them feel comfortable, make them feel safe, and uh, maybe brew some tea now for them for later when we take our breaks. And for yourself, uh, get your pencils out, get your um, paper in order, and get your light source in order as well. It's always nice to uh, have a light uh, at 45 degrees from yourself uh, to the left or to the right, maybe three quarters in the direction of the model. Um, yeah, so in conversations with Judith, she brought up... Uh, some artists that she really likes one of them which i know and i think we all are familiar with which is rembrandt and the other i had never heard of um and felt like i should have um or not that i should have but i would like to know um coming from judith uh considering how talented she is i wanted to know uh, who her favorite references were. I mean, now she's been doing it so long that she probably has become uh, her own reference. But nonetheless, I wanted to know maybe to give you guys also an idea what she looks at. So maybe look at her work, uh, which you can find on her Instagram, uh, Judith Yaws. Uh, Yaws is Y-A-W-S, and Judith is with the H at the end. And uh, she also teaches uh, some zoom life drawing classes like we do but with a model um, in uh, Asheville North Carolina and her intention was to um, extend her practice and open a school uh, unfortunately because of COVID uh, her plans were delayed nonetheless she was uh, nice enough to come on this show and tell us and and uh, give a bit of a sneak peek to you guys but yeah anyway um, the other artist that she brought up in our conversation was uh, Ilya Repin, which is a Ukrainian-Russian artist from uh, the mid 
19th century. So uh, someone who lived from 1844 to 1929, so quite a nice chunk of life. And um, I know nothing, nothing, nothing. Talk about like where your art history comes from and who uh, dictates the things we know. I know nothing about uh, Ukrainian or Russian art other than maybe a bit of uh, about uh, futurism um, and maybe a, uh, Russian futurism and maybe a bit about poster art um, and propaganda. Uh, but as far as uh, traditional kind of classic um, humanism, I know nothing. So it's going to be fun for me. I haven't uh, pre-rehearsed any of this. Uh, I'm using a new mic, so I hope the sound is okay. I can feel like this wire might be making a noise. Let me figure that out. Um, yeah, so also before we get into that, so I'm going to use um, just some general uh, art theory and try to describe some of uh, his work. Uh, I'm going to take the first three paintings that come up on uh, search of his. Um, also, funny enough, I realized I didn't know anything because when I when I type, I couldn't remember exact. I didn't know exactly the spelling, so I just had to type into Google like famous Russian artists, and uh, Ilya Repin was the first one to come up. And I thought, wow, that's uh, for somebody that's been in arts and around art for this long to not have uh, ever have heard that name or seen that work is is saying something. Um, nonetheless, we're gonna go through his work a bit today, but just uh, off the off the cuff, um, nothing prepared. As I've said before, the libraries are still closed here in Denmark. So there's no access really except the internet. And I'm not really the best at reading on the internet. I know that's super old school, but nonetheless, uh, not so interested in that. So uh, while you guys are getting ready, um, remember that we take the first poses as gesture poses we've been doing them so far um two minute drawings uh times five which gives us the first 10 minutes of the course then we take a five minute break and after that five minute break we take five uh, excuse me four four ah four five minute drawings and then we will take another break and it is in that break that uh, I will turn it over to Judith. Um, so it's a pre-recorded interview. Um, so that will just come on. And then I'm still figuring out the timing. So it will just, uh, I'll say goodbye in that interview and that will be the goodbye for that, the entire show. And as always, you guys can, can, keep, can continue drawing or you can stop for the day. One thing we figured out in uh, Judith's drawings is that she takes uh, roughly five or six hours for a, a quick drawing and uh, even longer for a uh, what she does, what her finished drawings look like. So um, so you're welcome to continue. Uh, as always, I'm just your guide and to give you some, some tips and tricks that I have learned, uh, not that I'm even that good at it, but just uh, general knowledge and kind of guide your practice at home uh, while we're all apart. So you guys have got a little over two minutes uh, before the uh, the first poses begin. 
so uh, without rushing also um, as you guys know we don't play music or I don't play music behind myself uh, because some people like listening without music and some people do so what I suggest is that you um, find a separate input or a separate source and play music from there so uh, if I'm on the phone, use the computer to play music or vice versa or however you figure it out. Um, if you hear some clicking around in the background, it's because I'm looking through uh, Ilya Repin's work. Um, so apologies for that. And I would suggest um, as far as technology has come, uh, the interview with Judith is a phone interview. So uh, as you can imagine, um, the sound is not as good quality. Uh, it's great quality, but you do have to pay attention. So, uh, if there's a time to go without music, it's probably the last uh, 25 minutes of the class. If you want to listen to Judith and uh, hear her suggestions and tips and tricks, which I can highly recommend. Um, so yeah, um, but it you will hear it. It's just that if you play music, typically if you play music over, um, her voice, um. Yeah, she may need a, a bit more of your concentration. Yeah, so 30 seconds, guys, and then we'll begin uh, the croquis session. And as always, this is uh, for Wednesday, but it will re-air on Friday. So if for some reason you want to share it with someone else or you have to go, you can come back on Friday and vice versa if you... Um, yeah, so 10 seconds. Uh, I'm still using my keys, which seem to work really well. So I've just picked them up and for... Three, two, one, and the class is started just that easy. So, um, same as usual for the model. These first poses, you can be a bit more uh, extraordinary and a bit more exaggerated. And as the class goes, you want to get a bit less exaggerated and a bit less, well, I won't say less extraordinary. That suggests something else. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to, what X would it be? You can relax a bit more um, as the class goes. Let's just leave it there. Um, I realized uh, doing doing these interviews. Now I've uh, I've done two. There'll be another one next week uh, with another American uh, artist uh, living in New York, uh, and that was interesting. And then we got to go back and forth and talk about New York. So and that is um, Anne Marshall. So I've interviewed Ann Marshall as well for next week's episode. So that will come next week. Um, and I originally, like when I started reading the books, I thought 25 minutes is more, more, more than enough time. And then maybe like 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, I always realize that's not enough time. That's not enough time. Um, but hopefully it gives you a teaser and you can get in contact with them. And uh, especially with in the condition of uh, Judith, you can uh, attend one of her classes online. Um, and I know she'll be happy to have you. If you do, uh, please tell her that we sent you. Okay, so uh, 30 seconds um, to go on this last pose. I'm just trying to figure out this I feel like I'm getting a bit of noise from the wire. I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of it. Yeah. So, ear repping. Okay. Okay, so four more of these poses. 
for of the extraordinary poses model four more of those to go I guess I should start at the beginning um, with this the basic stuff about Ilya, Ilya Repin um, I gave you uh, birth and death already uh, realist painter According to his Wikipedia, which we know is not uh, always factual, it's uh, loose information, uh, he was the most renowned Ukrainian artist of the 19th century. I just wanted to do a quick time check. He was the most renowned Ukrainian artist of the 19th century, when in his position in the world was as renowned or comparable to Leo Tolstoy. He played a major role in bringing Russian art into the mainstream in European culture. His major works include Baj Haller's On the Volga, 1873, Religious Procession in Kursk Province, 1883, and Reply to Zapor. Oh, this is a rough one. Zaporozhian. Cossacks, or yeah, Cossacks, uh, 1880 to 1891. Obviously, I read that so bad that it's obvious that I don't know who this is. Um, but uh, I have 10 seconds to go, and we're going to switch, and then we'll have three more positions afterwards before our first break. So switch. Um, so uh, a couple weeks back, we read from How to Write Art History by uh, Anna de Avella. And uh, in that book, we figured out that there were some basic kind of pillars of how to describe art and study art history and take an art history exam and write an art history paper. So I got the great idea to why not put that into practice. Now, I don't know this person's work. I can't see it in front of me other than on on pictures, so I can't really talk about the brushwork or the painterly style of it, but I can um, see what I can. So let's, uh, let's go one by one. If we get through all three, so be it. If we don't, uh, it's fine because Judith is the star of this episode. Um, and, and let's reference the book uh, that we read a couple weeks ago and see how far I can get um, talking about work I've never seen just by looking at it on the internet and describing it using art historical uh, language and a glossary of knowledge. Okay, so it's just a fun exercise uh, in adjectives and how to use adjectives to talk about art. And maybe it helps you uh, understand where you meet art uh, in your weekly, monthly, yearly visit to the museum and how to discuss it. Um, vocabulary is very important, especially when it comes to abstraction and art. I mean, we're not talking about abstraction, but still, um, language is very important in understanding art history and uh, art. So let's use our language and maybe, uh, maybe you can use it. Take steal from me. I'm not that great at it. I think I'm okay at it. I talk too much already. So yeah. So um, two, one and switch. So there's two more poses 
and then before I break model. All right, so how to write art history. Um, I've got my pages um, rabbit-eared, as we say. That's when you fold back the uh, corner. And I still have my highlights. Okay. So, formal analysis of art. Okay, and then let's go to the first painting that we want to look at. Uh, barge haulers uh, on the Volga. And let's blow it up so I can see it. Okay. Um, so I guess I should describe what it is. Um, so also there was a movement, um, especially during the mid uh, 19th century of uh, realism. And realism uh, means a bit more than um, than realism. Literally means, uh, and you're talking about romanticism. And uh, these are usually paintings, um, typically paintings, not usually drawings, usually oil paintings. Oil paint had come a long way. It could do a lot more than it used to be able to do. The pigment could last a bit longer. You could, it dries slow, so you can really, really get into the details. So there was this movement of um, capturing an exact uh, moment, uh, freezing a moment. So what you'll see in this, uh, these mid 19th century paintings is a lot of movement, but, but, excuse me, but specifically people not standing still, um, just to like throw into the viewer's face, like, no, I caught this in the act. I caught it, uh, while the person was moving. Um, you know, this isn't a, 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 a pose. This is people at work. We've got our angles, uh, it's motion, it's, uh, tension, um, okay, the, where my, I, I moved my keys to get to the book. This is the last uh, pose before the break. Um, so I'll start there. So what we have in this first um, painting is what look like uh, servants or slaves. Um, I don't know what uh, country we're in. And they are hauling. They're hauling a boat. So I guess the boat is stuck in the water or it needs to be pulled to sea and there are one two three eleven uh, men who look uh, unhealthy and poor they don't have shoes on their feet are wrapped um, in in some type of cloth so that they're, they're shoeless their clothes are all tattered um, they have uh, what I imagine are leather straps uh, on their shoulders and they are using all their weight uh, to pull this boat uh, out of the ocean um, so maybe it's not stuck in the ocean maybe it didn't break down but maybe that's just how you got the boat uh, on the on the uh, beach to work on it or whatever you needed to do um, at that time uh, these men they're all age ranges um, you get a lot of motion you, uh, the first thing that, um, Anna suggests that we talk about is the color. So let's, uh, let's do that. Um, so the color in this, um, painting, all right. So we talked about, uh, how you can have warm hues and cold hues. And I would in general say that this, uh, the colors and the hues in this, uh, painting are warm, warm. The, uh, Okay, so this is uh, this is our break. So 
Uh, what you guys want to do right now is uh, take care of your model, make sure they're warm, maybe give them a rope, uh, give them some of the tea or the coffee or whatever it is that you uh, brewed for them um, or take some yourself or and or take some yourself. Um, at least offer it to them. And uh, yeah, and, and take model, you should take uh, ownership or take uh, evaluation of where you are in this space. Also, for the person drawing the same thing. So where's the model in the room? Uh, did you uh, overshoot? Did you make their head too big? How did you fit their proportions on the uh, paper? Um, do you have a layout? And are you happy with that layout? And if if not, uh, how can you adjust? So maybe take a quick look at the gesture drawings you've done the first 10 minutes and adjust. Um, and, and then use the next four poses of five minutes to uh, to improve. Uh, of course, you are the only person looking, so it's not for anybody else's approval. It's for your own uh, self-approval. And uh, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, it's a tough thing to do, and very, very few people are good at it. Okay, so back to the painting. So we've gotten through color. So we're using warm hues. They're very muted. I would suggest that it's... Uh, it doesn't look like it's so hot outside. It looks like it's uh, maybe mild heat, a mild heat, even though the men are exhausted. Uh, it's early in the day. Um, so that's what I would say about the time. There's a slight overcast of, of clouds, uh, but not many. Um, so almost clear day. Um, this beach is used, um, it's low tide. Uh, you can see that the tide has uh, uh, receded, receded from um, where where it probably is later in the day, um, and maybe that's why uh, the the men have to pull the boat onto the shore. You can see some other ships in the background. These are uh, sails. They use sails to move. I feel like there's something in the distance uh, producing smoke. Um, but I can't, I mean, what year is this? Maybe this is well, one of the, after the Industrial Revolution, um, based on this painting. And if that is steam in the background, it must have been. So that's uh, what I'll say about the color. And then, um, okay, so next, uh, Anna Diel, I have yet to, to be able to say this name, uh, De La Vella. Uh, how to write art history. The next thing that is suggested is to look at the line. Okay, so looking at the line, what we can say about the line. Well, the the line is tricky because it's a it's a painting, so we're more looking at the brush stroke. And as I am not um, in front of the painting specifically, I can't really speak to the brush strokes. So that's a rough one to do. Um, but what I can say is the general um, general take is extremely, extremely meticulously detailed down to the stripes uh, on their on their pants, the pattern on their pants, uh, the the um, you know, so they're wearing these rags and they're obviously patched and stick um, woven together. So I can very quite easily see that, uh, which is a crazy crazy thing to be able to see 
in a in a painting I'm assuming that this painting is huge um, I don't have that information right in front of me but it, it must be um, other other thing back to the color a bit maybe we'll get to it later because I think the next one is scale space mass composition or, but we'll get to composition um, yeah so we're still on line I think I think I've covered line think I've covered line so um 30 seconds to go in the break um, which is going to end now uh, in a little while and then I'll continue going through um, uh, these uh, the ways of talking about this painting or any painting for that for that matter okay just a second here and three two one okay so the next four poses will be five minutes and then i'm just going to fade out and turn you over to uh unit yeah guys um all right so we did we got through line we're still talking about uh the russian uh ukrainian artist uh who i knew nothing about uh Ilya repping okay so let's go to space space okay space and mass i'm just trying to reread what she suggests that is because it's a bit abstract for me okay so if i go back to this book space and mass the term space indicates whether an image conveys a sense of three-dimensional space the term mass describes the space created by an artwork, indicating whether the artwork conveys a sense of a sense of substantial form, as if it had weight or volume. These are actual characteristics of sculpture, architecture, and, and installation. But um, when it comes to illustration characteristics of two-dimensional media, such as painting, drawing, printmaking, or photography, the use of the linear perspective or atmospheric perspective, for example, can establish a sense of spatial recession in a painting. Okay, that's why it was confusing because um, in her definition, space and mass usually has to be concerned with sculptures and 3D objects. And when it comes to painting, it means something slightly different. So perspective. Okay, so um, perspective. So actually, if you um, if you go back to what I said a second ago, now that I'm looking at it, and I said there was some type of smoke coming from something in the far back distance, um, I would say that that, uh, so if you, the far right, way, way in the back, there's a, I don't know, it must be some type of factory, but I can't imagine what factory it would have been. Anyhow, that is the, uh, that's the, the point of uh, perspective. So it's a, uh, that's the point of perspective. So all the imaginary or lines you can't see in the painting go from there. So the horizon and this uh, smoke below in the background very subtly line up. So I can draw a line completely parallel to the bottom of the painting that is the horizon on the sea. And then I can draw a line also from there and draw a line through all of the men's feet that are on the shore. And that line, that same straight line as if I took a ruler, 
would also connect me to the bottom of the ship that is in the ocean that the men are pulling. And then if I draw that same line parallel to it across the length of the painting, uh, I will get to another ship in the distance in the background, which is a bit closer than the uh, billow of smoke, but a bit further than the ship that the men are pulling out of the water. Um, and actually, if I then, let me just check the time, a minute and a half to go, guys. Uh, and then if I actually, from the ship all the way on the left side of the uh, painting, drew a line, I would end up at the, the, so you got to imagine that these men are almost like reindeer, which is pretty sad. Um, reindeer strapped to Santa's sleigh, basically pulling this, uh, this ship on the shore. So from the, the, let's say Rudolph, I guess, for reference, the one in the front of the pulling, um, from the bottom of his foot to the ship I just mentioned in the background through the ship that the men are pulling to this, uh, smoke below on the back is a triangle. It's exactly a triangle um and if that wasn't enough dead in the center of this triangle is the youngest member of the uh tattered men uh he's not in red but he is in a red hue uh pink or off pink top um and if you remember before we talked about uh using red as a highlight color uh in graphics but also in paintings or purple or blue or whatever it is typically like anything with red um okay so we're going to switch this is the end of the first uh five minute pose okay so then we've got um three more sorry i don't know why i just took a second on that one obviously four minus one is three uh, <laughs> i was also checking the time so forgive me um so yeah and i'm the fact that the youngest man is the only one standing straight up, he's adjusting the strap on his shoulder, again, a specific moment in time. He hasn't adjusted it yet. Um, it's not sitting on his shoulder. He's adjusting it in that exact moment. He's in the brightest color of all of the tattered men. Uh, he's younger than all the men. He's the only one without a beard. Uh, he has blonde hair rather than dark hair. Um, and he is direct. He's as close to the center of the painting as you can get without being in the center of the painting, right? So in this painting, the painting begins, You well, two things. It can begin when you look at it. When So also it's nice to just close your eyes and open them sometimes, especially when you guys are home drawing. This is like a really good tip. If you feel stuck or you can't figure something out, it's always nice to take a second, close your eyes, count to five, and open them. And it'll be like a new way of seeing almost like your your eyes will get the ability to refocus kind of like double tapping on your phone right or if it's analog camera or digital camera holding down the shutter key uh before it snaps um yeah so this uh young man is the center youngest man is in the center he's he's a bit brighter than everybody else he also doesn't look as destroyed he must be the newest worker um and and we got our classic triangle and we've got one point perspective 
which is all the way to the far right of the painting and pointing us directly back. All the points point back to this man in the center and uh, through Rudolph at the front, which is, yeah. And and um, also there's something about them looking at you. The, t the two men, actually the four men in the front, the two in the furthest to the front, probably the most clear, are just kind of looking at you, the viewer, in agony um, because this ship is heavy. Who knows how long they've been working and who knows what kind of shape their bodies are in, but they have to do it. Um, so pretty hardcore, pretty hardcore. Um, so that was uh, space and mass applied to paintings according to this How to Write Art History. So there you go. And then scale. Okay, let me read what, what she has here for scale. I'll double check the time one more time. Uh, we got two minutes to go. Two minutes to go. Um, on this second of the four five-minute poses before I turn you over to Judith. Um, scale. Sorry. Uh, as part of a formal analysis, you'll want to consider scale or relative size, both within the work and in relation to the viewer. Determine if there's consistent scale used within the work or whether different scales are used to emphasize or de-emphasize certain elements in the image. Figures of gods, for example, are sometimes represented larger than others. Figures to indicate their divinity. Consider whether the image is monumental, life-size, miniature, in relation to the viewer. Right, so that last part, again, we're looking at it on our screen, so we can't take it so literal. Um, I don't know how big this painting is. I, I would imagine it's gigantic because the amount of detail it is even giving me on my screen would it just be weird if it was smaller than life size i'm i'm imagining that it's bigger than life size i'm not going to double check right now but i would bet a lot that it's bigger than life size so that's that would take care of the the kind of vast uh the painting itself as far as the scale of the people they are within the context they are two scale no one person is bigger than the other um, even the boy that we keep talking about in the center seems to be drawn at the same scale of everybody else, which makes sense. Uh, in order to allude to perspective, there are two men dressed in slightly better clothes on the boat. Um, so I don't know if these uh, workers work for them or whoever they work for, but the men on the boat uh, seem to be from a distance in better condition. And not only are they smaller than the men on the uh, shore because they're further back they're also blurry um, so they're not drawn with as much detail as the ones on the uh, shoreline oh okay shorted you guys 16 seconds sorry um, too busy gushing over the painting um, again if you notice I haven't said I like or dislike this painting at all I'm just describing what it looks like um, so um yeah there's a lot to do besides just saying you like or dislike something is the is one of the points we try to like cover when we talk about art i mean just saying you like it or you don't like it is uh a bit subjective even though you may think it's objective 
Um, it's not. It's your your personal opinion, and it's your personal personal interpretation. Um, so the two men uh, on the ship and the ship itself are smaller than the men in the foreground, and that's because they are in the background. Uh, so as far as scale, it's uh, it's true to life, I would say. Um, what else do we have to? Are the we said that the image itself is properly mon monumental in size. However, the people in the image are life size, um, and then we come to composition, which I think we've covered. But let's just see composition. Composition is the term. The term composition is used to describe how an artist puts together all the above elements in the work of art. In a formal analysis, you will ask how these elements, line, color, space, and mass scale, contribute to the work's overall composition and its visual effect. Initially, you'll be trying to answer some basic questions. And we might as well take these questions, right? Um, what does the artist emphasize visually? We said the, the boy in the center. Um, what first attracts your attention? The boy in the center, in the bright colored red uh, clothes. Not red, off red, so it's not so literal, but um, it's definitely different color from everybody else's. Um, next question. How does the artist emphasize this feature, these features, through scale, line, or color? Again, not necessarily scale. The scale is accurate in reference to to the other things the line um the line is also consistent if if i'm thinking of the line as far as uh the quality of of detail uh it's the same everywhere in the foreground the middle ground is consistent with other things in the middle ground middle ground and the background is consistent with other things in the background and the sky itself um is not overly detailed either um to suggest uh overcast so I'll say that that answers that. Uh, time check again. So we've got a minute and a half before the last of the five poses. And as I said before, uh, this episode, it will go right into uh, Judith's uh, interview with me. And she will lead the last part of the class. Um, it was a bit weird lining up the time exactly. So... Uh, it's going to sound like she just comes on and starts talking, but that's on me. Um, I took a bit longer introducing her. So anyway, in order to line it up for you guys, um, it, it, it's just going to jump right into her talking. And then it's going to end with me saying goodbye to her. So I'll say goodbye to you guys now um, uh, before we go into our last uh, five-minute pose. And I'll just continue um, with this uh art assessment or art historical assessment of this painting by one of Yudas favorite artists uh, Ilya Repin from the Ukraine and Russia okay so 25 seconds 24 seconds something like that um, which one did I leave off on okay I'm, I'm always just where do I start okay uh, the next question is is 
Is there an underlying rhythm, pattern, or geometric structure to the composition? Okay, so uh, four, three, two, one. Okay, last of the five poses, and then uh, Judith is going to take us home. Um, is there a unifying composition? Well, now we're talking about the other thing we talked about. We're talking about this triangle um, that can be drawn uh, from the two boats, or from one boat through the main boat to this uh, billowing smoke in the background subtly to the uh, person in the front's uh, front foot who we nicknamed Rudolph because uh, they are chained, or not chained, excuse me. They have leather straps around them to pull the boat. Um, so yes, there is an intentional rhythm pattern in geometric structure to the composition. Check. Um, okay, how can the motion or idea evoked by this piece be described? How is this achieved visually? Okay, uh, it's it's, uh, it's depicting some hardworking people. There's also a movement in the 1850s uh, throughout Europe of uh, showing people work. You will see a lot of paintings of uh, workers in the field, um, corn field, wheat field, uh, barley field. Um, you'll see this stuff as well. And uh, so it's pretty common for its time period. Um, the motion of the work, uh, I'm assuming the intention is for us to empathize with these poor, extremely poor men who are forced against their will to pull this boat ashore. Um, they don't even have shoes on, their clothes are falling apart, um, and this poor boy has just begun what I guess is going to be a long journey. Uh, or a long life of some type of servitude to whoever, whoever owns this ship. Um, it's not a big ship, by the way, um, as far as ships go. Um, and I'm sure the name gives it away. I don't, again, I don't know much about actual Ukrainian or Russian history or if this is even depicting that. Uh, I'm just going straight off one-to-one -one how to describe this painting. Okay, next we got a bit more time. I'll take the last two really quickly. Uh, is the composition large or small scale? Is the horizontal or vertical in orientation? Uh, how did these characteristics alter the viewer's perception of the work? Um, okay, so the picture is uh, horizontal, um, which means it's wider than it is taller. How does that affect the scale? It puts us at human scale in the way that um, there's not much space behind them. The The men are the subject of the reference that we should be looking at. That is the point. Um, they are the subject. It's not about uh, the sky being beautiful, even though it's well done. Um, it's not really about the ship behind them, which is beautiful. Um, it's not about the water. Um, the the emphasis is on the beach and on these men um and the beach has more details than the men act or not more details but equal detail uh to the men now i don't know if that's because it's in the foreground 
so it was something that he wanted to pay attention to or because he wanted to showcase um, what the beach looked like. One or the both could be true and neither could be true. Yeah. Um, and then quickly, lastly, before I let you guys go uh, or not let you go or pass you on for the last part of class, is the work figurative or abstract? Um, it's definitely not abstract. <laughs> it's definitely not abstract. It's uh, it's surrealist, and that's where we started. So, um, yeah, so we're going to go into a break in 30 seconds, and you're just going to tell us about herself on that break, and then the last 20 minutes of this pre-recording, she will teach you. And as I said before, there's another guest next week, um, Ann Marshall, who is another illustrator and artist, a commercial one, actually, uh, who works uh, professionally with art. So uh, 10 seconds to go, guys. And um, thanks. And see you next and week. Uh, this is Brandon Shell for Epsilon Radio. Five, four, and keep three, tuning in, two, keep listening, one. and write to us if you need us. Yeah. Well, hello. <laughs> uh, my name is Judith Dias. I'm Berlin-born. Yeah, grew up in the American sector in West Berlin. And at age uh, around nine or so, I moved to, I did immigrate to South America. And, um, well, I returned to Germany when I was about 14 and lived most of my life in Berlin. And 2017, I did immigrate to the United States. And now I'm living in North Carolina. In uh, Asheville, right? Yeah, close to Asheville. That's kind of art center of uh, North Carolina. Okay. It's pretty famous for the artwork, uh, you know, all the artists and artwork, art events and things like that. Yeah, and you were, uh, you were expected to maybe start some, um, some formal teaching classes or a school. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, that was originally planned, but uh, because of COVID, uh, the plans got, you know, I needed to redirect it and at the moment, moment I'm doing mainly online things, and is it, giving online classes. Is it, is it uh, primarily life drawing? What other, what other things do you teach, and um, how how can our students find you as well? Yeah, well, at the moment uh, it's life figure drawing, but I'm recording at the moment classes, and I'm working together with the Sketchy app. That's uh, they make. Um, well, they sketch portraits, okay. and I'm a teacher there too. Okay. So um, <clears throat> that's the thing that I'm doing. You can find me on Instagram yeah, under Judith, Judith Yas or Life Figure Drawing. It's that simple. You know, Life Figure Drawing, that's on Instagram, and lifefigurdrawing.com is the page that I'm building up at the moment. And you, uh, how long have you been drawing yourself? Are you still illustrating yourself and drawing from life? Yes. I, I myself join lots of those uh, sessions because, <laughs> you know, uh, I think things like that, that keeps us um, sane, especially at the moment. So uh, I need that for, oh. for my inner peace to draw. And I'm daily, I'm drawing on a daily basis so myself i'm not just teaching i'm drawing constantly so yeah. are you uh yes. what are you drawing every day are you drawing self-portraits or uh from life or from 
uh, both. landscaping, both, everything. Both, yeah, uh, yeah. I um, I actually I studied fashion design in the eighties in Berlin. Okay, which uh, in, at Utica or which uh, which school is it? Uh, University der Kunst or that, yeah. Ne, Hochschule der Künste. Uh, yeah, that too. But I had, well, that one was a fashion design. It was Letterverein Berlin. Okay. okay. And after that, um, it was um, as well. Um, you call that an English masterclass this is from from um, yeah, my master yeah, yeah master where they yeah. teach you in private classes uh, yeah. all the techniques and so on so that went on over years but I started to draw when I was a little kid okay. uh, yeah yeah you've been uh, and you do you have a prefer uh, preferable medium that you that you like to use I did draw. Well, to illustrate, it's mainly pencils and watercolor. Um, but I did paint really big paintings uh, over years in oil. Okay. But um, I dropped that. So at the moment, it's mainly pencils, okay. color pencil. All right. Um, I'll just let the people listening know, or the the listeners at home. So this is the the break, and we're gonna go. We're gonna continue talking through the break and into the last twenty minute pose. And uh, youth is nice enough to give us some tips and tricks about uh, drawing from life and drawing from the model. So, uh, model, get ready. Um, you should be getting ready now. And if I say ready, go. So uh, this is the last uh, twenty minute pose of the class. And as always, you can split it into two ten minute poses or one long 20-minute pose. Uh, it's up to you guys at home. Um, yeah, so you, you uh, did you drop the um, the oil painting because it was easier and, and more accessible to use the pencil, or, or how did that happen? Yeah. Well, I'm still painting in oil, but um, you cannot carry around a canvas. With <laughs> well, you can, actually, but... It's a bit more difficult, so I switched to pencil to... Um, and as far as just, um, the fashion degree, were you doing a fashion illustration? Was fashion illustration part of that degree? I, I took a, my art education at uh, Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, uh, but I took graphic design. But I remember the fashion students, as part of their curriculum, they had to take fashion illustration. Was that something they uh, focused on at your fashion uh, education as yeah. well? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, uh, the fashion, it's not just fashion. But education that I had, it's all kinds of, you know, it has a part in graphics yeah. or um, a painting. And uh, then in addition to that is designing and sewing. You know, and materials, you know, I need to be able to work with certain materials and not learn all the technical background about, you know, behind it. So yeah. that's what it was about. But um, and you moved. The, the art, yeah. the art teachers told me also always, I'm wrong now. <laughs> they told you you were wrong <laughs> so, all you the know. time. Yeah, no, I'm wrong. Um, I should be more just art. Um, not so limited with the design said, you know, it would be better um, for me. Okay. That's what they saw in me that to move on from that. So they encourage you to move on from design to more fine art, I guess. 
Is... Yes, yes, okay. yes. And, yes you, and, you, and you took their advice and you've been kind of doing it I, uh, ever since? I did, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. And um, all right, so I'm going to, I guess I'm going to coach you while you're coaching the students. Do you have any, so so um, basically we have people listening uh, throughout Copenhagen and hopefully in Germany and other places uh, and they're sitting at home and they're drawing while we're talking. Do you have any advice for them specifically? Um, maybe about, like when you draw, I, we did an episode about um, turning objects and using shadow. Do you have like a trick that you like to use um, when drawing maybe, a tip? When I work with shadows, yeah. you mean? Or like when you, how do you find the edges of the form, like or the human human form? Well, the edges, I I look at, well, first of all, I concentrate with my eyes. Um, what do you call that? When squinting? Yeah. When you close your eyes slightly. Yeah. And I see the, I see, you know, you're able to see better the darkness and the light. So I start with the darkness. That's how I do it. And from the darkness, you know, I search, I search, I don't know really how to say that. Well, I work from the darkness to the light. Okay. That's that's how I do it. So you draw the... And, and you, that, yeah, go ahead. And I'm looking for the negative space. So actually the space that's behind the model. Um, and try to fill those gaps too, to get the whole picture of it. Okay. It's a bit... Yeah. And do you start with a, a light line? Do you start with a dark line? Like, where do you start? So if the model is in front of you... Um, do you start with their with their face? Do you start with the things around them? What's your? Do you have a specific way that you go, or is it always just that you start from the darkest part of the room and and then go to the lightest? No, the first thing is a measure. I look at my paper and I look. You know, I choose a frame of what I see. You know, an invisible frame. Which part would I like to draw? And then I take my pencil and hold it, you know, away from me with a stretched arm and I search for the middle of the body. Okay. So then I, I make sure that I get the hands in and the feet in. And then when I have the middle, I, I look for the middle of my paper and transfer it. And um, that's more or less how I start. And I start, well, at the beginning, it's a lot of measuring for me. Okay. So I'm, um, you know, try to put the same, and uh, what I see on the paper. Hmm? So, and then when you're measuring, so let's say you find the middle, do you just kind of just make a, a, a mark like a, like you would if you would measure, like, I don't know, something in your house and you were hanging something on the wall, like you just mark it and come back or do you, um... Yeah, how do you go about marking the paper? Like, is it just a mark? Do you just mark it with a piece of pencil and then and then and then measure the distance to the next part of the body? I look at the body, mm -hmm. and when I see the the middle, um, yeah. I look what's there. You know, like and when you chest, breast, or okay. whatever, and then I start with that part of the drawing. Okay. Yeah. No. And then you work your way out. It's like when, exactly. So, for example, if I, if I just draw a portrait, 
Uh, that's maybe the easiest way to explain it. Then I'll look for the center. And then I start from the center. I place it on the paper. And I start to measure from the middle point. So, for example, if the, uh, if the middle of the, the face is the nose, I start from the nose then, you know, in all directions. And, and when you say measure, for those that don't know, do you mean like you uh, measure with the pencil in your thumb? Is, is that, uh, that's how I measure? Yes, okay. yeah, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Well, it's, I'm, I'm pretty trained, so I do it with my eye. Just, okay. um, but however you want to do it, you can take the pencil, stretch it away, mm -hmm. just make sure that you have always the arm or the finger in the same, um, same place to the same distance to your yeah same place yeah. same distance to your face otherwise yeah it, uh, it's a bit confusing and you will not have the result yeah that means like you would like to have it yeah so uh so guys at home what uh Yuda is saying is uh one of the ways uh, especially for beginners is that you can um with your pencil uh you can um kind of like she says squint and from measure from let's say the eraser at the top of their their head or wherever their body stops and then you would take your thumb and like kind of drag it down the the pencil as if it's a ruler and then yeah. replicate that distance on your piece of paper. And the trick with that is the same as I always tell you guys with your chin, uh, make sure that your arm when you measure is always in the same place. Like make sure when you put it up to the body to, to get a reference that the, your elbow is bent the same way if it's bent at all. Make sure you're holding it the exact same place, the same way that you would um, always make sure that your chin uh, or, or always taking your measurement by eye from the same place. So some people use a pencil um, and, that, and that's also the way I was taught, but uh, I wasn't so good at it. I was, so. <laughs> but, but it's it, a risk. But it's it a is risk. A, but it is a technique um, that you can use. And um, you know, I noticed on your Instagram, are you... Sometimes you're drawing, what is, what is your color palette usually when you're using colored pencils? Um, also, uh, quickly, for the for the model right now and the drawer, if you're going to do two 10-minute poses, uh, you've got a little over a minute left. Uh, so if you're the model, take um, reference to what's asleep and uh, how you feel and decide now uh, whether or not you can hold it for another 11 minutes or if you need to switch. And the same thing, um, yeah, so so uh, while we're talking, remember that. Keep that in mind, model, because the worst thing you want to do is move. Um, yeah. So, uh, your, uh, your color palette, what um, colors are we talking? Do you have a certain shade of paper you like? I mean, if we get really geeky about it, are you using off-white? Are you using eggplant, uh, egg, uh, egg white? Are you using true white? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... My color palette, first of all, I really love to work on toned paper, like craft paper. Okay. So, because uh, I like to use white and uh, I'm really focused on the light and the shadows. So, if you use that toned paper, uh, it's much easier to get the right lighting on, on, on the face or on the body. You know, if you use then a bit white over it, is that. I explain that uh, <clears throat> the right way. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, my, I hope that, that was your 10, 10 minutes to move. Uh, yeah, but uh, so if you start with uh, a, a not true white, you're saying it's easier to, to find the shadows and go back and forth. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but for my color palette, my most favorite one is Tuscan Red. I, yeah. I, I work in graphite and I work with black, but... Um, if I look at the body or, uh, you know, the face or something, I see hardly black lines. Okay. There, it's for me, it starts with red and I go, actually, uh, if you, if I include anatomy, knowing that the blood is under the skin. Yeah. And there is a blue, blue shadows, red shadows, brownish, you know, there's green, all kinds of color in it. Mm-hmm. I try to use that while I draw, you know, and I use black, but that's mainly at the end, okay. you know, because it's so hard. I, I work mainly with uh, color pencils and they are really hard to erase. So if I would start with black yeah, and I, yeah, it's really it's hard not, to get rid of it. It's, if you use graphite, it's much easier to erase it, but color pencil, it's, yeah, no, it doesn't work of, really well. So. And how actually we talked about that in one of the episodes, how, um, how cheap or how liberal are you with using an eraser when, when it's available to you? Do you, do you, um, yeah, do you use it a lot? Do you try to avoid using it until the very end? Like where, where does the eraser come in? I know we did one exercise or we tried one exercise that, uh, I asked them not to use the eraser for the first gesture poses, um, just so you get that yes. better idea, yeah. So maybe talk a bit well, about that. Yeah, the razor is is really an issue. When I started, the razor was forbidden. Forbidden, yeah. <laughs> so, I was but it, yeah. It, yeah, it had to do with, I mean, I'm pretty sure for the teacher to be able to see the development, but you are able to see it as a student as well, you know, um, in which direction you move yourself. And it's Personally, I think it's a lot of energy in it if you do not erase. So I personally try to avoid it. Okay. But if you do a technical, very precise drawing, you need to use it sometimes. But um, I try not to use it, you know. So I I mainly use it actually to get some effects if I want to blend something, you know, or get a little bit more light in, in, in a corner, yeah. So, you know, this. Hmm? Are you using um, are you using a kneaded eraser? Is that the the eraser we're talking about, or like the uh, the gray one, the the kind of clay clay one, or? Yeah, uh, the clay one I only use if I draw some, you know, with a soft graphite or something like that. Okay. Other than that, I just use yes, just regular. R- erasers or a razor pen An eraser pen okay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and then when you i noticed the instagram you do use these uh red a, a lot do you is, when you're using the red is uh are you drawing the midtones or like what do the red represents because you use the red as kind of the shadow so is that is it safe are you using the red as the midtones of the drawing or Yes, yeah, I would say so. That's that's how I do it, the mid-tone. And I prefer, yeah, that's, I love that red. So lots of people ask me, you're 
drawing them all with red hair. And, and I said, no, no, or, or just with that skin tone. And I said, no, no, that's it has nothing to do with skin tone. Yeah. It's just my approach, <laughs> yeah. you know, on something. It's it's not even necessarily red hair. It's just I, I love to use Tuscan red. Yeah. That's my main color. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've had that. Um, I don't make art anymore, but I remember that as a child, like if you draw on a certain color, people assume that that's the skin tone, but that's, but you see, no, yeah. it's more like this is the negative space and this is the active space and these are the shadows and these are the highlights rather than a specific, exactly. uh, the, the, the color of the paper, the color of the pencil doesn't necessarily represent the um, the skin tone. Do you have, um, what about other artists? Do you have like, I mean, at this time, I guess you're just drawing mostly from experience, but did you maybe now or in the beginning of beginning to draw have like a, another illustrator or another fine artist that you really thought was amazing? Yeah, uh, Rembrandt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rembrandt. I mean, and um, it's a, there's a Russian painter called Repin. Okay, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and I, there really, I love many painters, but Rembrandt, the the, the choice of colors, the technique that he used, that's, I mean, he's probably one of the most famous ones, but uh, I can clearly see why, okay. <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, definitely, um, I was explaining, I think in one of the episodes about how Rembrandt only drew the faces and the hands and... and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a long story, but there was a time when I was studying in London and one of the local, uh, one of the smaller museums had um, a painting in the style of Rembrandt. And while we were visiting, they were in the process of trying to figure out if it was actually a Rembrandt. And the way they were doing that was like uh, basically getting x-rays um, of it to see if they could find Rembrandt's brushstrokes, um, which is just a fun fact that, I mean, that doesn't go much further than that. And then uh, quickly, we don't have much time left. Can you give maybe some tips for the model? As as, as you are illustrating the model, maybe you uh, can tell the model what you, the do's and don'ts quickly of, of yeah, what you like. Do's and don'ts. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm friends myself with lots of models who live up professionally. Yeah. And they, uh, well, they keep saying it's, if you you should not feel uncomfortable at all. So the recommendations that you gave before in in your classes, that that's actually uh, what they say too. Stay warm. If you are nude or even if you're dressed, yeah. stay stay comfortable. Um, try not to break the you say that the blood flow in your legs yeah. that they fall asleep or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stay comfortable. Yeah. And for long poses, um, just take a chair or sit on, on the sofa and relax because that's also I did model myself when I was I think eighteen, nineteen or something in, in art school. Okay. I think it was a very in, interesting experience. I mean, not professionally, but the teachers made us model to understand the situation of the model, and I thought I was really okay. A good thing you know that he did that yeah how how long was the how how was that do you have like a trauma from it or was it fine or no it was fine but i noticed 
pretty you know, easy that you need to sit comfortable. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. be comfortable. That's yeah. the main thing. Yeah, I always. Uh, all right, you can correct me because obviously you're better at German than I am. But when I explain what the model should do, I always think about the reference of like the bow and like how that means uh, it, it's like a prefix or a suffix in so many of the German words. It just means like kind of like your sturdy center almost like um, like the building and then also like your stomach. So I always think of that as in a more abstract way of like that you should always make sure that your center is comfortable and then everything else probably will follow. Am I using that? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can also say yes. no, Brandon. That yeah. is not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Yeah. Okay. No, but um, yeah, that's exactly uh, yeah how I would approach that. Just that's really nice. Uh, you know, of need that you're comfortable because um, if you start to move, yeah, um, it doesn't really. You help. might frustrate. Yeah, the person who's drawing you, it's, uh, you know, loses the contact with the picture or the inner picture or, I don't know, with a with the model then in that moment. And it's a bit, sometimes it's hard to get in again. But if you are really extremely uncomfortable, then just stretch and, you know, shake the hands or the legs, you know, keep the blood flowing and try to get back in that position. Yeah. So nobody will cut your head off. If you do that yeah, <laughs> in a group session, it's a bit uh, a challenge because the artists are pretty, um, well, they expect a certain performance of the model and pretty strict about it. Yeah. But um, we are all just humans. So um, I asked for understanding if one needs to move, you know. Thank you for being with us and joining us on the show. Um, yeah, is there something you want to uh, leave with? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, Judith Yoss, yeah. and uh, Life Figure Drawing. Okay. There you can find me. All right, thank you. So thank you very much for yeah. having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and we'll be in touch, and maybe we can uh, get you back at a later date.